put to death that nefesh that's wrong about literally everything. I'm ready to cut loose myself. <laughs> the Christian experience has to be sacrificed. Mm -hmm. You have to have that soldier attitude. I don't care what they think. I'm here to obey the apostolic commandment. I want to fulfill God's will for my life. Which is the favor that Jesus had from his father by being perfect. Glory. Welcome. Praise God. Bless his name on high. Let everything that has breath in it praise the name of Jesus Christ. Let his name be written on every forehead. Let his name be hung on every mind. Let his name be like a hat or a crown or a necklace upon every neck. Let that name be upon every bone with living blood in it in all the earth. One of the main enemies that you have in these days is bone necromancy. It's a real deal and it's written in the word. Can these dry bones live? What makes bones dry? Being disconnected from Shekinah. Shekinah is the living water from God's kingdom above. So when we're dry, it's because we're disconnected from the path of the living waters, and we need to reconnect. That's a covenant. The covenant is the connection, and it's a covenant of Shekinah glory in the Word of God who died on the cross for us so that through His blood we can enter the Holy of Holies. We can enter the heavens. We can enter the moon and the sun and the stars where the angels are. We must be with the myriads of angels. I like what Apostle Paul says in Hebrews, that you have not come to Sinai, but you have come to Zion, the city of innumerable myriads of holy, righteous angels. And you're going to need them because that's the culture that enculturates you after you believe in Jesus Christ. Worst thing you could do is stay human and stay in the earthly cultures after you're born again because it rejects the birthright of the firstborn in heaven. It says, I'm not going to be of the angelic kind. I'm not going to be of the Father's house above the Son. I am going to remain under the Son, oftentimes in ignorance. Believers don't know there is even a kingdom of the Father above the Son. And so we settle because of a lack of teaching of righteousness and a lack of wisdom of the Word of God for all kinds of complacency, all kinds of sleeping, all kinds of sin and wrongdoing and traditions of men and women under the sun that kill us. We must slaughter death into the lake of fire by understanding the Father's house and kingdom. It's a desperate situation and we need hungry and thirsty for righteousness people who understand the situation clearly but are still at peace because they're anchored by the Word of God. Lean not on your own understanding. Your own understanding, which is like black Saturn, will get you into anxiety, stress, fear, panic, worry, doubt, unbelief. You'll have all kinds of anxiety problems and stress problems because you don't understand the Word as your Savior. How can they be saved unless they're taught the Word of God? It is written. Amen? So, we're going into the Word and we're going to have fresh salvation 
from moral agitations, from fear, from cowardliness, from doubt and unbelief, and from all the powers of the evil one. It's called evil one in the New Testament because it is a kingdom of one fallen angel entity, one clippeth black Kabbalah sorcery of the evil one. <laughs> we don't want to be united in the evil one in these days. We against the righteous one. We want to be completely cleansed from the mixture in the valley of decision, deciding today I will repent of all my earthliness. I will, when my blood spurs up all kinds of agitation against the Word and against the Holy Spirit, I'm going to humble myself and not have to be right in all my stubborn pride and all my feelings and emotions. It's okay to be humiliated that you are wrong about everything every day. There's not a place where I'm right because I believe a certain system of truths. Man, you're just going to get puffed up in pride. You need to humble yourself. You need to stay humble. Staying humble is staying forgiven. Staying in humility is staying forgiven. At any point that you have an argument that I'm right in my own soul, in my own um, emotions and passions and feelings, I'm telling you, that's a place where there's a familiar spirit, a demon power of hell, working stubborn pride and sorcery in the nefesh soul of blood. And so let it be exposed into the glory light and forgiven and healed because it's pride resisting the humility of the Lamb of God. The most important aspect of the revealing of the kingship nature of the Savior, Jesus Christ, Messiah, of all Israel, is the nature of the Lamb of God. This Lamb represents entirely one attribute, humility. Humility is your salvation, people. Not a false humility, not a human humility, human humility is gross antichrist activity. Don't be deceived by human humility. Even someone who beats themselves up and throws themselves into the fire has no rewards whatsoever unless it is the Lamb that was slain, the one true Messiah, formed in their soul. Not two, not a thousand different Jesuses, the one that was crucified to death at Calvary, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of God. That one Lamb is the only possibility of your salvation in His nature, which is humility. You cannot stress humility enough, I tell you the truth, even in the highest worlds. Oh, ho, ho, ho. In the highest realms of the resurrection, you could be with the archangels for years. The temptation is still to not be humble. And the only thing you have going for you in that day of that testing, of that trial, with that principality, power, throne, dominion of spiritual wickedness in heavenly places, is your measure of established humility of how much you have rehearsed your own crucifixion with Christ. Not how much you know. It's not even how much you know at that point, but how much you know how to be crucified to death in the stubbornness of your knowledge in the pride of even what you've studied, the pride of your even past experiences is a huge stronghold of hell. The pride of your past experiences. When I see people making progress in Christ 
and the barriers that they run into, I tell you the truth, every single day amongst our dread champions, among, amongst our soldiers in training, all of them, it's usually a boasting in what they know, or a boasting in how right they are, or some kind of subtle pride. Boasting, that makes it sound so obvious. It's not even Discern the audience. It usually comes across like discerning something in someone else when you don't have any rungs. Or telling right. us that you're in agreement, or that you believe a certain belief systems. Here is what heaven and the angels are looking for. They're not even looking for any of that. That will come automatically when Christ is formed in you, because Christ is the truth. Jesus, the man, is the truth, and apart from him, it's all just self-righteousness. It has to be him crucified to death constantly. The main temptation for all of us is to not have our truth or experiences in the death of Jesus. It makes it about something of me and my consciousness my soul, instead of him and his consciousness, his soul, that's only shared with you through the act of being crucified to death with the Lamb of God. So, as it's written, death has been my closest partner. That's in Psalms. Mm -hmm. Death has been my closest partner. The death of Jesus is your only hope. And I don't think a lot of believers really understand that critically. This is critical where people come to study, they hear all these things, but unless it's Him being formed in you, the Messiah, the one body of Christ, His blood flow, His living water, His name in your forehead, and your name being less and less until you can't even remember your own name because the glory is so strong. You can't remember who your family is. You might forget your own face, your own countenance. That happens. That happened to Moses. They forget their own face, what you look like. You forget um, your nationality. You forget your earthly culture. You forget your human mannerisms. You forget everything. That forgetfulness is called the sea of forgetfulness in Psalms where you're actually forgiven. You forget what kind of foods you like the taste of. You forget the taste of water. You forget the taste of strawberries. Frodo, I can't remember the taste of food. I've been fasting for five hours. <laughs> well, you've just been engaging in the glory for 15 minutes, buckwheat. That's a buckwheat soldier, amen? Yeah. That's a buckwheat who's standing on the mountain of the Lord who really is engaging in Torah because the Torah scrolls are obliterating his humanity and the only thing he's aware of is the divinity of Torah, the divinity of the Word of God. Do you understand what I'm saying tonight? How the Word is taking over your human, fallen state and condition of whatever it is, good, bad, and ugly. The most deceptive thing you deal with continuously with young Christians is a state of being good and right in agreement with even the apostle or prophet. I mean, that, you're not in agreement. You're, you're not in unity. If you're crucified to death, you're in agreement. If you're crucified to death, you're in unity. Without the death of Jesus in your heart, in your mind, in your brain, in your bones, in your marrow, and every cell 
of your flesh of blood and that nefesh soul without every cell of your soul of blood crucified with him there's no unity at all with jesus it's all just in your head it's all just religion it's actually a familiar spirit you're in total disunity it doesn't mean it needs to take you an hour one agreement with that word bam and it's a working word instantly in your soul this is not the process that a lot of people think living in the glory is not something that you so to speak work your way up in the holy spirit is the spirit of glory you're born again day one and you start in the glory even if your brain doesn't feel it your emotions and feel it. it's not like you get a different god and you work your way up through different gods. This isn't paganism, working your way up the clippeth to different, more, more powerful, deceptive fallen angels. Hello? And that's what a lot of Christians do. They say, I work my way up God upon God. And that's when you do when you're ultra-bewitched and deceived, which most believers are, because they don't understand the power of the blood and the power of the cross to experience one true God from start to finish. Amen? From start to finish, you only experience the King of Glory. The Messiah is never anything else in the Bible except the King of Glory. Right? The only time the glory lifted off of Jesus of Nazareth was for you and me to go into the glory. And it was for just a brief moment. It was only just for a few minutes. Hello? Truth anyhow, that's what the Bible says. Father, I have given them the glory. John 17, the glory that I had with you before the world was, I have shared with them the glory. The purpose of the Messiah coming to earth and dying on the cross, the Lamb of God, was that you could start and finish in the Shekinah glory, true light of Torah, the Word of God. Amen? You could say old Torah, new Torah, but it's all one Torah. Right, and you know, it's funny, people try to (laughs) say, you know, we can take the light over here. But light, starlight for celebrities, starlight mm. for CEO business, starlight for Blackstone in downtown <laughs> New York. You know, light, fall in light for that, you know, doofus fallen looking angel looking like Sauron, Sauron's mouth of yeah, Sauron guy. Yeah, that demon. You know, looking like a doofus, you know, being the enemy of Jesus Christ. He's all powerful and almighty and he's the only God. You know, rejoice Israel, hero Israel, the Lord your God is one God. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And all you know, all these idiots running around saying, light over here, we need light, we deserve light. And what's their argument? Their argument has largely been that religious Christians have given away the light for free. Look, they, they gave it to us. Mm. What are you talking about? They gave it away. Mm. Just like Joshua and Caleb. It's a gift. Yeah. God gave it freely to them, and they gave it freely to us. And that's largely how it's gone. Now, this is an eternal court case that's been ongoing for a long time, thousands of years now. But what's happening is the believers are starting to wake up and realize the glory. A never-ending spring of the source of all light, the creator of all light within you and to come out of the false love that gives it away to the enemy that gives it away because of lust greed false christian doctrines and beliefs and false niceness and worshiping all these other gods that they think is jesus but it's not people are starting to wise up starting to wake up and then you realize the truth is you don't have to give away your light 
Mm. A wise virgin does not give away oil. Oil for light. And it says here, I'm looking at Psalm 97, 11, Light is sown for the righteous. The Hebrew word there is Zadik. Strong's 6662. And gladness or joy, happiness, joy, gladness, for the upright in heart. Joy is for those whose hearts have made have been made straight. The Hebrew word there, yeshar, means righteous. So joy is only for the righteous. Light is only for the righteous. So all joy, according to this is Torah, if they want to argue with Torah, all light, all light, mm. and all joy and happiness of any kind mm -hmm. is only for the righteous. Therefore, any light of any kind, <laughs> any joy of any kind that's been used for crookedness and unrighteousness, no, mm -hmm. no more. It's all being taken back by force and given, purified seven times over to the righteous in Jesus' name. It is written. And why is that gladness for the upright in heart? That word upright means it's been made straight. It indicates it was crooked and it's been made straight. The thunderings of his gevrat make straight the crooked paths in our heart. That's Torah. So the thundering of the severity of binding Isaac, your joy, your laughter, your enjoyment of the things of God, to the altar of the judgment of God. Gevrat means judgment. Gevrat is also rubies. If you want to take a look at Rick Joyner's book, where he saw the most precious stones in the mountain of God, one of the most costly was the ruby. And it was about what? The crucifixion, the passion of Jesus Christ. And he could not endure it fully. And then you find, and the angel explains to him, that only Jesus Christ could endure that fully, that judgment. So there's a measure of judgment, and there's a measure of grace. That's the measure of Gevrat, Gevra and Hesed, that Christ has apportioned to each believer. The measure of grace that he gives, it's in measurements. Let us only live up to what we've already attained. That means be faithful with the measurements of grace that you've been given so that the judgments on your life are balanced and complete with Tiferet, the son of righteousness, the truth, which is Torah, on display. Tiferet is what? The stylus of the Torah that inscribes the word in your heart. Your word have I hid or I have inscribed on my heart that I might not sin against God. But everyone have, has sinned, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it also is written that everything that is born of God overcomes all that's in the world. So if God is not a liar, which he is not a liar, that means everything in your life right now that's birthed, actually birthed of God, will overcome everything that's in the world. It's not a, that burden on your shoulders. It's removing all the false burdens off of your shoulders. The strange fire of religion, 
all the things that you think you can add to Christ's salvation and simply doing the works that the Father has prepared for you ahead of time. Repentance from strange fire, repentance from religious demons, familiar demons, will set you on the path of purity because it's impossible to have purity when there is fornication with religious demons. So we say today, your sins are forgiven. Go and sin no more. Walk uprightly in peace. This is the way. Do not fear. <laughs> Do not worry, it is written. Human anger can never lead to righteousness. What is human anger? Human anger that blocks righteousness. Human anger, all human anger is rooted in fear. Anger is the mask, the charade, the, the charade, the facade, the charade of the human nefesh, fallen nefesh. Human anger is a mask for the underlying fear. That underlying fear, whether it's readily known in the conscious mind or not, it could be subconscious. It doesn't mean that you can't repent of it if it's subconscious. On this journey, you will cleanse your imagination, your conscience, your subconscious. All of, all of you gets cleansed. It's not just, oh, that's too hard or too invisible, too ethereal, unattainable. No. Christ is the author and the perfecter and the finisher of your faith, which means the realm of the sephirot is the realm of faith, and by finisher, that means he's not leaving anything undone. He's not going to start a project, right? He doesn't have your millennial ADHD curse. He doesn't have that issue to start projects and never be able to finish it. Mm. He will finish. He always finishes everything he does mm. perfectly. He doesn't. Mm -hmm leave you as a side project. Oh, it's too hard. I'm going to try yeah. it with somebody else. That's nonsense. <laughs> he cares for you and he already has a plan perfectly set, prepared ahead of time for you to walk in if you simply comply and receive the word of grace. It's grace to rise. Not grace to just, eh, just kind of get comfortable. But when you realize that all human anger is just a mask, to hide the fear. All human anger has a hidden fear behind it. Some are conscious of it, some are not. That's where you really get into the hidden thoughts and intents of the mind. Everyone deals with this going up sapphire stones. You will too. But understand, the reason why you think you're reacting to most things has nothing to do with the actual reason and reasoning on the inside why you're actually reacting. <laughs> it's a completely different story. It's night and day, it's black and white witchcraft. Because if it's not righteousness and it's human anger, it's witchcraft and fear and sorcery and all kinds of things are the curse of the fall, the uncircumcision. So what you find is God allows us to take our tests. As we go, maybe you're on Malkut. You don't wanna really go around the mountain again, right? You wanna pass those tests. You'll have a season of testing. And when you think 
In your mind, the if the religious demon in the blood of your nefesh says, they're accusing me. Oh, they just don't think I'm gonna get anywhere. And oh, I didn't, everyone's already given up on me, including God. And it just means, you know, they've given up on me. The apostles have given up on me. And I guess I'll just go and wallow. No, that's extreme pride and self-pity and demonic activity. God chastises us and scourges us in order for us to change and repent. He does everything God does towards us is out of compassion, literally. He weighs all his decisions and says, you know what? I am just going to scourge the heck out of my daughter today, out of my son today, because I know that's going to get the most fruit. And if you'll just listen, you know, the, you know, the gentle knock, the gentle whisper, didn't listen. Eh, no, I don't believe that. Eh, that's not God. All right. Hey, we're gonna deal with this today. Well, they're just judging me, and I just no. Wisdom kills beasts. Don't every you day. care about my need and on that need that there's a fear. That's why there's an anger, right? There's a fear, and that fear underneath usually comes with an unbelief, right? The only reason for fear is unbelief, because it's a part of you that doesn't believe that God's going to provide for that thing. Well, I'm not gonna be able to get my blah 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 done on time. Oh no, but what if I miss my da-da-da? And then everyone's gonna think this of me, and then everyone, blah, blah, blah. Fear is a man, blah, blah, blah. Not trust, it's a lack of trust in God, because when there's overflowing trust, there's no fear. Because also, what if that doesn't work out, and everything, blah, 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 and people think this and that? <laughs> as long as it's God's perfect will, I know all things work for the good of those who love him. I know I love God, check. So. It's working for my good, and I'm going to try to be more sensitive so I can, you wanna to try to get as sensitive to where you can hear the whisper and repent. Because if you, I notice if you don't hear the whisper and repent, you think, oh, that can't be, blah, blah, blah. Well, I just, you hold on to that little fear. I need to do this, and they're just, they're the issue, they're the problem, they're just trying to keep me from blah, blah, blah. And God's probably just allowing that irritation in your life so that you can have a golden opportunity to change the behavior, the thought pattern, and to repent and change your mind to get the circumcision, right? Because it's all about circumcision. That irritant ain't going nowhere. If if you deal with it in your own way with those people or those situations, it'll just be something else. Probably something worse next time around the mountain. So get it the first time. Mm -hmm. So when you hold on to and cling to fears it's because of unbelief if there's human anger that prevents righteousness it's from fear where there is fear there is unbelief so now you got to get real with god it's not about you and your family it's not about you and the people who are around you it's not about you and your friends or who said this to you Someone's hindering your progress at work. They just take all the credit and da, da. it's not about any of that. It's about you and your trust in God and your relationship with God, which is your connection via Shekinah. How are you going to connect to God via Shekinah? Circumcision. So that very thing that's irritating you that you think oftentimes is just the enemy of the enemy, it's more than likely God trying to remove the enemy but it will come in the form of oftentimes people manifesting, right? It's Ir not going to come. In a, it's not going to come in a nice, pretty, 
all wrapped up in a nice bow. Sometimes it'll happen. But God is more interested in what's going to be effective circumcision because he actually cares about you. He doesn't just want to coddle your behavior and your thought. When you find that certain rungs, like certain rungs of Malkut, maybe you had an easy time with mineral level. You were a special person in that. You're like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's what, everything I have is from God. Here you go, 10%. You know. Easy. Why do people even struggle with that? That might be you. And then you get to like human level and it's like, ooh, all my Christian experiences and everything I've put, all the years of my life, and I'm emotionally invested in it. Crap. What do I do? That was like, you know, we spent That's about my entire life. That's the destruction of your own Herod temple. Every one of you will have to do that. And that one feels, can possibly feel a little little bit more brutal than just the mineral level where you're dealing with higher level demonic in your own self nature of the uncircumcision than you were dealing with a few rungs back on Malkut. So what do you do? Grow in trust. Do you trust God? When we are trusting him, it is easy to obey. When we're not trusting God, there's fears because of unbelief. And fasting is a great way to get the unbelief out. I was seeing multiple visions as you were speaking just now of dealing with snakes, demons, and eagles, mm. holy angels. So I want to just paint a picture for mm -hmm. everyone because we're all picture learners, visual learning glory. Yes. So the eagles are angels, and the serpents are all demons. So the serpents come and they try to build magic spells upon the foreskins of your heart. Okay, the uncleanness of the heart, the uncleanness of the mind. When you hear uncleanness, think anything human. Okay, anything human in Jewish rabbinical thought is unclean. You first and foremost need to distinguish between the divine and the profane. If you haven't done that, then you haven't even heard about being a priest of Jesus Christ. Okay? And you need to learn the priesthood like Samuel from your childhood, lest you grow up and you can't divide the profane from the divine. Therefore, there's no wisdom, no discernment, and it's all just human, and your divinity is human, and your Christianity is human, and you're completely lost pagans. So this is essential foundations of Christianity that we need to have instilled in our hearts fresh and anew today. When the demon comes and he comes upon any area of uncleanness of the human being, he wants to build magic spells. Magic spells are what Jesus Christ said in the red letters, that your words will be your judges. Okay, He was not saying his word, he's the word of God. Jesus is the word of Yarevave. But if you did not have the Torah of the Father working in your hearts and minds and bones and marrow, Jesus said there would be other words working in you. Your words would be your judges. The word your words in there means magic spells, the magic arts of those that are outside the Father's word, outside the gates of the twelve tribes of Israel, it is written. 
So magic spells are the strongholds. When the snakes come in the dust of your uncircumcised hearts and minds and dealing with the area where you're human beings, the serpents, for all sin is serpentine, and all magic arts are serpentine. All, the whole kingdom of hell is serpentine, serpent in nature. Therefore, it builds upon lies and areas of your humanity. These are your strongholds, and these serpents, if they're not dealt with, are your gods. Your familiars are your gods. We say, well, I only have Jesus as my God. Remember when Jesus was explaining to the Israelites, I know you say that, and you got nice theology from going to church, but Jesus said, well, Satan's still your God, and he wasn't just being mean or attacking them or beating them up with religion. No, he was telling them the truth. Jesus is love. The truth is love. He was saying, you say one thing, but the condition of your invisible inner man is of the substance of hell, but I'm going to save you from it if you can hear me and allow it to change your inner man to agree with God's will. But they wouldn't allow their inner man to hear it and deal with the magic spells. Therefore they turned on him in a rage and murdered him, shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, give us Barabbas. And Barabbas was a murderer. So they wanted murder, okay? Which, what is murder? They Religion, give us religion. Religion is the sin of murder instead of the Lamb of God, the Torah, the Father, which is love. And we do that in all of our foreskins and our membranes. That's what it means to be a human being. That is the epitome of Revelation 2.5, remember the heights which you have fallen. That's understanding and comprehending the entire curse of the fall as human beings. And it's not overwhelming. It's a wonderful freedom if you can receive it today because it's the truth anyhow. If you can receive it and understand the heights of that, that all that's going to be removed from your hearts and minds and bones and marrow for all your ascension with Christ Jesus, your eternal lives that can begin today and continue today is just dealing with magic spells, serpents, and their words. They hang their words like charms on your eyelids, on your ears, inside your eardrums, and your tongue, so you're just thirsty for wickedness instead of thirsty for righteousness. Hello? Most people are thirsty for sugar more than they're thirsty for the Word. I don't see too many people begging to go in front of the screen mirror so I can just get totally fried on the Shekinah glory. That's like one in ten million believers, right? Okay, so there's a thirst of the mouth for sugar or for sweets or for food or for drink or for the natural dimension or for whatever human thing. We need to switch up our senses, remove the magic spells of the serpents out of our gates, our eyes, our ears, our nose, our mouth, our touch gates, and remove those charms, and remove all those arts of demons, and, and snakes, and serpents, and all those words working deception, and destruction, and death in us from birth. Remove them. That's what circumcision is. And he's trying to remove them off this audience right now, so pay attention. Let it be removed off of your senses. There's a cleansing here tonight. There's an interaction with heaven. This is not just you coming and watching a show. This is not like watching a cartoon or watching a preacher on YouTube. This is interactive. Your soul is interactive with angels inside every word. That's the prophetic. The prophetic is everything's alive. It's charged with light. 
And if I pay attention, I'm going to get changed right now. Angels are going to hang some things on my senses and remove the charms and the magic spells of the demons. So you go from snakes to eagles. Eagles eat snakes in the natural so that you can understand that in the spiritual, in your heart and mind, underneath your skins, in your senses, in your eyes, in your brains, in your hearts, in your bones and marrow, in your bloodlines, the eagle of God, many, many, many millions and millions of eagles are trying to devour millions and millions of snakes. Okay, There are millions and millions of snakes and snakes all work for the building of the Klippeth. They build the kingdom of hell. Okay, Rome was not built in a day. You know that. Say, well, how about Babylon the Great? Babylon the Great was not built in a day. Babylon the Great was built in 6,000 years of human filth. Now, what is human filth? We could say, well, it's rebellion, it's you know the crackhead, it's the prostitute. No, it's simply being human. It's being a good human, a bad human, or a you know, a perfect human, which is the Antichrist. A perfect human is as Antichrist as it gets. I don't think you guys really get it. How being a perfect human is being the epitome of Lucifer. A perfect human is the epitome of the Antichrist that opposes what? The divinity that starts inside the clay vessel. So we are, a lot of times you have so much religious serpent activity and magic charms hanging on your senses you come around here and you listen and you come around the prophets or whatever and it's like about being a good human or and trying to be a perfect human. That's all magic. That's all magic spells. That's all black Malkut. Mm-hmm. So that's all Antichrist. We come here to die to the human being. Therefore, we're not resisting the Holy Spirit who's trying to form one person in us. Jesus. One person. You're one person's body, the body of Jesus Christ. You are not an additional body of Christ. You are not a, an additional Christian out here. You're not a temple disconnected from. If you're disconnected, you're no longer a Christian. If you're an individual Christian out here with individual interpretation, you're not, in fact, a part of this body. You've disconnected from this body because your mind is now building its own deification inside through using New Testament scripture, which is magic arts. You're now a magician. You're a Balaam. You're a sorcerer. You're a witch. So witchcraft is trying to finish in the flesh what began in the spirit of grace. We try to finish in our brain with our senses. And what do we do? We grow in magic charms. We grow in magic spells. We grow in the serpentine nature of the human being. Understand this clearly, people, today. The serpentine nature of all the fallen angels of hell is simply the nature of humanity. Male, female, Greek, Hebrew, and all of it combined. Simple, right? So now there's no confusion about fixing up the old man or fixing up the serpentine human being. There's the desperation to get into the eagles to eat the snakes out of our hearts, our DNA, our cells, our molecules, our atoms, our existence, the whole temple gets progressively consecrated. Now I'm the temple of the Holy Ghost, and my life is no longer my own, so all the stress leaves. 
So I'm not here in self-justification. I'm not having to brown nose others and work in a, in a system of human being filth and slime and, and the false prophet and the horror of Babylon and the sewage of hell. And I don't have to have a guise or a pretending uh, hypocrisy of the human being. The human being can never be God. The human being can only be the burnt offering on the altar of God before his throne. So the dying daily is the removing of all that serpentine wisdom. A lot of times we get into the occult when we're born again because we try to finish in the flesh what began in the spirit. The occult is the knowledge of finishing in the flesh what began in the spirit. Notice that the magic arts and the deep secrets of Satan in Revelation chapter 2 are associated with the principality of Jezebel. That you don't need to know those deep, mystic, satanic secrets. Jesus Christ, Red Letters, Revelation 2, of that woman Jezebel. So what does that mean? It is that same exact association with Galatians 3.1, having begun in the Spirit, turned to finish in the flesh. You foolish earthly Christians who has bewitched you. The bewitchment of Jezebel is the magic arts learning, literally paganism in your brain, of how to be a perfect human being when you begun in grace. Trying to finish in self-righteousness. Trying to finish in the clippeth. And that's why you see so many Christians work their way up a system of self-righteousness, a system of self-importance. It's really <laughs> as hell as hell gets. It's the system of the Antichrist, and they work their way up. And you see it in every single Christian system, in every single Christian culture of every nation under the sun right now. And God's not even angry about it. He's excited to expose it so that people can obliterate it to really begin the priesthood of Melchizedek for the first time in this generation because we haven't had the order of Melchizedek. We have not, it's been a madhouse of a hundred thousand different opinions about everything. But above the sun, there's one house. Not two, one. The Father's house. In my Father's house, Jesus Christ continuously said, that's the house of unity. That's the house where you are united with the Lamb, the bride of the Lamb, which was crucified with Christ entirely. And crucified of your individual Christianity, your interpretations, your theologies, your doctrines, your magic spells, your serpentine humanity, all of it terminated and gladly willing to terminate it again tomorrow. And I'm not going to be resistant to its termination. I recognize the covenant. The covenant is the human serpentine nature of magic spells is marked for slaughter, and I'm happy about it. That's why the joy of the Lord of Isaac is because he was marked for slaughter. It represents the slaughter of the human nature. Isaac in Hebrew means joy and laughter. Why? Because it's the joy of one who's terminated their humanity, who's not building up the serpentine magic arts in their souls which is always leading to stress and anxiety and I'm burning out and it's so hard. And there's so, Listen, if it gets so hard, you just need to take all that hardness back to the cross, buckwheat, and get terminated. But it might, you know when it gets hard is when a serpent came around and built something on one of the unrenewed areas of your heart and mind and now you got a magic charm hanging there. And so I'm under so much warfare and attack. Well, no sorcery, divination works on Israel, Tiferet, the bridegroom's chambers, Buckwheat. You just can easily now recognize the devil uh, is working in the areas where you're not yet crucified yet. So the blame game of others 
Now I'm looking inwardly in inward intelligence to refine my soul at the altar of Jesus Christ so I'm not blaming mom, dad, brother, sister, husband, wife, or children, society. There's no victim mentality. He became a victim for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us. It is written. Now, daily, we take our humanity, which is all sin, of simply having your consciousness attached to human blood, and we go inside to the Word of God, that inner intelligence, and we hang Torah scrolls, and we allow the white eagles to come in and eat the snakes, and now we have the fresh glory of sunrise, of God's Word rising in our hearts, dawning through our foreheads, each and every day. So see this. The magic spells go to Torah scrolls. How do we know it's written? For I saw heavenly Jerusalem, the promised land of the new covenant, coming down like a Torah scroll. You know what scrolls were used with? Oh, the Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Moses. Scrolls back then was the Bible. Okay? You didn't have printing presses until the 16th, uh, 1500s, 16th century in Germany, Gutenberg or something, Gutenmorgen and Gutentagen, some of those Guten places of Germany where they began to make books. Guys, there's no books for 5,500 years of human history. Zero books. All you had for 5,500 years of human history on earth is called scrolls. <coughs> So the recent time where you have books, now you got tablets, and you're so disconnected from the uh, human history of Earth, we just live on our little cell phones and our TVs. And our, And I love the technology. I'm all into technology. That's how you broadcast the glory. But I need you to have a, an understanding of days, a wisdom of the ages, a an accurate understanding of our origin, our history, so that we don't go into error and deception and foolishness. So we want to be the head of days and not the tail of days. Tail of days is ignorance of all things. Head of days is knowledge understanding over all things from the angelic perspective of the second heavens. Mm -hmm. Truth, anyhow. So we want to be head of days, not tail of days. No ignorance, no foolishness, no madness, no confusion. God is on the throne. I saw the Holy One on the throne. Ezekiel 1 every day. Read it if you have to. He's on the throne. He's on the throne over all your humanity all your feelings and emotions, all your cares, hopes, desires, and if you get to know him, he'll burn the human curse of the fall right out of you and share as much divinity with your heart and mind and soul and bone marrow as you're willing to receive through operations. Operations of angels and eagles removing snakes and magic spells and the charms of the evil one to the Torah scrolls of the Holy One of Israel. And these Torah scrolls will always bring true light True light can dawn inside those bodies, under those skins. God gave Adam and Eve animal skins, and he made no mistakes in it. And they still live 930 years as human beings. So what you, those skins and those bodies you have right now are a lot more rugged than you can ever imagine. God doesn't make mistakes. God wants to perfect underneath those skins, right inside your eyes, right in your ears, right inside your brain, both lobes, brainstem, all your spinal cord, all your bones. He wants to put his word there and begin to heal all your existence 
the same way he began to heal when Jesus Christ came and gave us the Holy Spirit. He's going to finish this work. He started it a long time ago. Now he's finishing it today. He's going to do it. The seventh day is the day of God finishing his works. Now, just because it isn't finished in you doesn't mean that the Father hasn't already finished it in the heavens. So when you begin to receive his finished work in the heavens, and therefore he rested the seventh day saying, it is finished, it is completed in all God's creation, there is a removing of the dust and the dirt and the sin and the wrongdoing and the works of the fallen angels in the heavens and the earth, making them new. But the making of new is actually a remodeling and a repristining of the original perfection of God's creation. That includes you, buckwheat. That includes you, human beings. There's no mistake in you. But there's an awakening to the perfection of your Father in heaven. God didn't make mistakes. You could come from the most screwed up situation in the world. It's an opportunity. It is an absolute opportunity to show off God's perfection, no, ba- no matter how bad you started. It's true. Some of the, the greatest men and women of God of all time started off the absolute worst dealt the worst hand of cards imaginable. It's just like, throw them all in. I mean, I just like bust right from the start. Just busted the day you're born. Born a tar baby, born a crack baby, born with alcohol. Born uh, in the fetus. camp of Moab and the, and the labyrinth of Pan. And we curse all the works of Pan and Moab. Amen. Amen. So how you're born of flesh is of little regard. How you're born of spirit and water is of all regard. And we need to regard the works of the Spirit and the water of the Torah of the Word of God the Father today to remove all the magic arts, those magic spells, and all that circumcision. So just like when they do work on metal, and some of these strongholds in your DNA are metal, they're metallic, they're very, it's strong, right? But then when you deal with metal, there's a corrosion that you blast water on the metal so that it can slide away from the stronghold in your DNA. So the more stronghold you have, the more water is required. That's why these are the days of Noah, because the DNA is so corrupted, the RNA is so corrupted, the curse of the fall and the religion and the magic arts and the magic spells and what's going on in your brains and your hearts and the, the, mo- the emotional chaos and the confusion of the principalities upon the believers. It's very much likened exactly today of everyone on earth who loves Jesus in Egypt under the second heavens of the Klippeth, not understanding how to escape the situation. Endless lawsuits against the righteous trying to take over the U.S. government. Endless accusation, endless manipulation of laws and court systems. And it just seems like absolute impossible Uh, ways of changing our earth and our world. But I tell you the truth, the eagles will change it in you and then will manifest the victories of Christ as the snakes and the magic charms and the magic spells are eaten right out of your bellies. They'll start right in your stomach. I remember when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit January of 2000, I'd never heard of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. My only exposure to Christianity was the Roman Catholic Church, going to Catholic school for seven years. So this stuff was all just so brand new to me, just so mind-blowing. So I'm laying there. They wouldn't give me another roommate. Minnesota Teen Challenge, downtown Minneapolis. Men's program, 18 years old. 
This is uh, January of the year 2000. I've been getting delivered from demons every other day, up to two hours a day of the pastors in the program driving demons out of me. And, it, and when they had them mostly cleansed out of me, where I'm just less, very, very, very clean in my heart and mind, very, very uh, just delivered from from all of these occult demons that I had allowed into my life, and they drove them out for days and for months out of me. And so when, when most of the occult, I'd say a, a tremendous amount of sorcery was driven out of me, because I'd gotten so deep into the magic arts, when they had driven all those magic spells out of me that I was aware of as a human being at age 18, that is when the Holy Spirit came and introduced himself to me. Up until that point, he was a deliverer, but he wasn't a baptizer. A baptizer. I had no understanding of baptisms. No one had ever talked to me about the baptism of water, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'd never heard a single person in my life speak in tongues. So as I'm laying there alone in that room, downtown Minneapolis, January 2000, liquid peace began to materialize in my room. Okay, Liquid peace manifesting in my room and began to move like waves through my feet and through my legs, then went right through my belly, then came right through my chest, and as it went through my head, I started speaking in tongues. That was the Holy Spirit the first time introducing Himself to me. And I ran to the staff, and I said, What is this? I'm speaking in tongues. And it was James, uh, Pastor James, that was working in the men's floor right now, and he lit up with joy because I know he'd been praying for me. And he said, that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, you want to pray in tongues as much as you can, otherwise you might lose your speaking in tongues ability. That's what he told me. It's the first thing he said. He said, you better use it or otherwise you'll lose it. But, <clears throat> but that's the evidence that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Because remember, we're in the Assemblies of God Teen Challenge and and the pastors in there were extremely well trained. It was incredible. And so I went back to my room. I began praying in tongues eight hours a day. I would pray in tongues all day long. I would never stop because they said, if you stop, you'll lose it. I didn't want to lose it because to me, it was liquid peace. It felt like an ocean of literally waves of liquid peace. And this liquid peace began to talk to me and tell me to read the Bible. That's the Holy Spirit leading you into all truth. He will glorify me by teaching you my word. Jesus Christ, John 15, it is written. So the Holy Spirit began to teach you the word. And that liquid peace began to speak. Read Proverbs and learn my wisdom literature. That was the first audible commandment when the Holy Spirit introduced himself to me in January 2000. He said, you need wisdom. And my wisdom literature I will teach you when you read my Psalms, when you read uh, Proverbs, when you read Song of Songs and Ecclesiastes and the wisdom literature of Job, all of those wisdom books of the Bible, James in the New Testament, read those over and over and over again. And he says, when you read that part where it says, Lord, put my name in there because I want to be best friends with you. Around that time, I'm like three months baptized in the Holy Spirit. So I'm about a six month old as a Christian. This is in the year 2000, uh, spring of 2000. They gave me a, a book called Good Morning Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn. 
So in Teen Challenge, you get these packets where you study all of the greatest ministers who ever lived, Catherine Kuhlman and all the Smith Wigglesworth, all the greatest Pentecostals and charismatic leaders of all time. You would read their books and do book reports on them, and you'd have to memorize a certain amount of scriptures. And then you'd go from level to level for, throughout this program until you'd completed all the coursework, then you could graduate, and it takes 16 to 22 months. Okay, so that's what Teen Challenge is. So you have to literally just get completely trained in all the success of the Holy Spirit history throughout the history of the earth. Amen? So we learned, I mean, just dozens and dozens and dozens of books. So this first introduction of the Holy Spirit was Good Morning Holy Spirit by Benny Hinn. I'd never heard of Benny Hinn before. I had no exposure to Christianity except the Catholic Church. I began to read it out loud. Why? Because the liquid peace said to me, I want you to read this book out loud. The liquid peace is how I knew the Holy Spirit when I was young in the Lord. And when I read it out loud, a glory cloud materialized in my room. Okay, I had a roommate. He would be laid out on his bed across the room. I'd be laid out in my room, uh, on my bed on this side of the room, and the physical manifest glory cloud was, when I was reading Good Morning Holy Spirit out loud, was a cloud in that place so thick that you could not see the other side of the room 15 feet away. You could not even see the wall because the Shekinah glory was so thick and so strong in that place. And we, I didn't know if it was Benny Hinn's anointing. I just knew the Holy Spirit wanted to burn himself and introduce himself into our lives like that, that I would know him as the glory cloud. The staff members, when they'd come in and say, it's time to do this, time to do that, because you have a schedule every day. You have, you have to raise your hand to go to the bathroom. You're all adults, but you have to, you have to ask permission to go to the bathroom. You, have to, you are basically incarcerated inside a prison of the Holy Ghost. That's how it was. I don't recommend that program. We produce a better program than that program because a lot of people go through that program now and aren't even baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was a very, very rare, 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 rare occasion what I gleaned in that program. And God wanted me to glean everything from that program and then create another program through broadcasting which is called Red Letter Ministries. That's what this whole thing is based on. The power of the Holy Ghost from day one. Amen. So just to have that settled. Now, when the staff members would come into the physical manifest glory cloud in our rooms, I'm six months old in the Lord, they would fall on their faces and begin weeping and crying. They couldn't even talk. They were choked up. They just would fall down on the ground. Oh, God, God is in this place. God is here. They start weeping and crying. And I'd look at these men and I'd just be shikand in the joy of the Lord because it was through my voice in reading the anointed man of God's words that had brought the cloud into the room and so when other people came in they came into the cloud that I created out of my relationship with my God so I realized this isn't just some pie in the sky mm-hmm. external work. They're here because I read God's anointed word and it created an atmosphere for people to come into God's glory. That's one of our recommended reading books, especially if you don't really have a strong relationship with the Holy Ghost. Definitely read that book. It's really good, especially if you're on Malkut, you're just getting started out. You don't feel confident that you have even a relationship with God. 
you want to have strong foundations. One of the things about going into the cosmos, it will test you to your absolute limits, mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. You must, it's like the NASA program, right? You can't send someone up there that's mentally unstable or they'll crack under the pressure and probably hurt themselves and or others. That's why there's levels and there's measurements. You know, you want to make sure as you're going up, you have a very strong emotional stability. Mental stability is a must. You can't be swinging around left and right, <laughs> a bipolar religious activity, fearing God to smite you and to send you into hell one minute the next day you had the best experience in the glory and you're like this. It ain't gonna cut it. So I recommend get those foundations of I am loved and have a relationship with the living God. You have to be 100% confident that you're already having a connection established with him and you know and that's the spirit that's passed the test. You know, Jesus Christ come in the flesh. It's not like, well, I think it's still mm -hmm. demons. Like, you have some discernment that you're not just getting constantly deceived by demons pretending to be God. That has to, you have to take care of that before you go cosmic. Literally, if you're going to be mentally and emotionally unstable, you are not going to make it in the cosmos. It's not gonna happen. Now, overcoming all that's in Malkut will set you up for success and you begin to have that stability that comes from a confidence in knowing God, not out, outward confidence of the nefesh. You know nefesh confidence, and nefesh is a liar. <laughs> it's just like, well, I know, and da, da, da. it's like outward zeal, but with no foundation or substance. Like, I mean, when you go home and it's you alone in the room in the dark and you don't know what kind of spirits are around, you know God's got you. That's what I'm talking about. You're not worried about it. You, 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 it doesn't mean you ignore the demonic issues, but you're confident that God's going to give you the prayer or the word or what to do to deal with it. Because if God shows it to you, that means you can do something about it. It's not just like, oh no, no, what do I need? There's a tenth world demonic principality. Oh, he won't leave me alone. Oh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? God's not going to provide for me anymore. No, there's just calm down, you know. The Nefesh is always a liar. But you have to have an established relationship with the Holy Ghost, first of all. He poured out his spirit in a Malkut in the world of Messiah, and that's how you start. That's the down payment. Now, what do you do with the down payment? Invest it wisely. Invest your time, your affections, your love, your money, your uh, every, all of your time, basically. What is your time spent on? Not in separation. So when you go somewhere, you're going there with God, not just like in your mind, like, I go everywhere with God, and now let's go do what my nefesh wants to do. Nah, 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 nah. I'm a Christian, I'm saved! Don't, don't judge me, I'm all relationship with God! Okay, you're demon-possessed. Go with your pigs in the parlor, you know. It's fine, you can get the demons out. Feed your spirit the word of God. But you have to have the foundation that I am loved, and I have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That means 
devoid of all mental insanity and instability. You are going to be emotionally stable in Christ, not tossed around by every wind and wave of doctrine. Oh my God, they're coming for me. They're going to take me out. Okay. Mm-hmm. Calm down, Buckwheat. You need more Torah. Grow where you're planted. Stop letting every little thing uproot you and toss you around. You're not going to grow like that. Read the book of Ezekiel. That was the problem. They said, oh, let's go drink over there. Mm-hmm. That stream. Oh, you're going to be planted over here. No, just go. Well, God planted you to stay there and just grow like that. And then you grow right up. Right inside that body. Yeah. Stop trying it. Well, if I just go over here and I do over there and this and that. Just grow where God has planted you. Let your spirit awaken tonight. Yeah. No more religious extremism. I'm extreme for Christ. You need to calm down for Christ. You need to... (laughs) There's no amount of extreme for Christ that should be tossed around by every wind and wave of... Oh, I heard... Oh, this thing, it's coming after me. It's the panic because the beast is uh, judged to the lake of fire. (laughs) And so there is a fear of termination for the animal. Mm. And so it is judged by Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. in Scripture that the human being will be terminated. Mm -hmm. So that fear of death is the fear of giving up your human life to live the life of Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. that is by the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. in your hearts. And that is so important. You have to have the foundation of a relationship with God, Him living within you. Despite the fears and the shadows or whatever, you're going to deal with some of that. It's, you know, But you need to have the foundation, the anchor for your soul. That's why we recommend, you know, if you don't have that, if you've never been through, you know, that Benny Hinn book, mm-hmm. Good Morning Holy Spirit, buy it, read it. Yeah, we're not always getting the most advanced prophetic people in the universe. Some people come in and don't know the Lord. Right. So <laughs> you have to understand, you can eat those things that come down from the higher realms, and this is the best quality you're going to find. You know, for No one else is going to teach you how to go up the Sephiroth. But if you don't have the basics, if you don't know you're loved, I mean, read, you know, Good Morning Holy Spirit. Have you read, you know, uh, Anna Roundtree, Heaven Awaits the Bride? That's been highlighted for some people recently. Adoration's a good one. Adoration. Uh, read the Bible. That's a really good one. Have you been through the Bible at mm-hmm. least more than once? Do the, read the, you know, there's so many apps. They already break it down for you. Read the Bible in one read year. Read the New Testament know? first and then mm-hmm. the Old Testament second. So you right. go through Messiah into Moses fulfilling the law. Right, so that way you don't come to me with like all these weird questions like, well, what about... Leviticus, are we killing animals? But we you get know? that a lot. You'd be surprised. They're like, well, are your cottons mixed with polyester? You have a tattoo? You're going to hell. Right. Dude, get you wisdom. need to be in the right covenant right now. Mm-hmm. You're in, in Satan's butthole. Right. You need to be in Jesus Christ's so, heart. And I also, uh, the book of Psalms is so beautiful. I found that no matter how <laughs> high or low you are on the ladder of your journey to God, the Psalms are great. It's yeah. going to bring a lot of peace to your soul, and you need peace. You're going to need wisdom. Went Proverbs today, Proverbs. and it was like fresh and That's brand new for one. the first time today. That's probably the 800th mm-hmm. time I've read Proverbs, but today it felt mm-hmm. like 
I was a first grader hearing it for the first time. Yeah. It was just super fresh. It was incredible. Amazing. <laughs> so that was the next book I was actually going to mention was mm. Read Proverbs. Um, you know, so since we know because we've talked about it here, right? How do you go up into the cosmos? The house of wisdom in the cosmos, you build up into it with seven pillars. It says that wisdom has built her house on seven pillars. So if you're building up into wisdom and you have to have wisdom and you always hear it here on Joel's Bar and you always see it in the word of God, get wisdom, get wisdom, you need wisdom. It's the primary thing, it's the principal thing, get wisdom. Then people might tend to, oh no, okay, here it goes again on the swing. I don't have enough voice. Oh my God, we're going to get it. I'm going to go get it. Oh, it didn't work. Where do I go? Just, you gotta, that's why you got to center in that piece. Think about it. What does it say in the Word of God? How are you going to get wisdom? It's the same for everyone. Do you guys remember? How to get wisdom? Oh my God, where is it? That By laughing it? at your human nature. Yeah. Oh my gosh, what a joke. It's just a mess, so... I can't believe Jesus lives inside this meat sack. Oh, yeah, he likes it, too, because he, like, he loves humility. Jesus wanted to move into land. a trailer park. I'm a little surprised. Jesus welcome, is moving welcome, into this bag of bones. Life. He's moving into your flesh. Jesus Christ enjoys in moving into your flesh. He loves the blood covenant. So he loves it. Proverbs, too. <laughs> if you don't have, let's say if either you don't have wisdom well, you're over, maybe you're feeling a little overconfident about your wisdom, but you're not sure if it's really going to get you to the next level. Or perhaps you don't know or remember how to get wisdom and you feel an overall general sense of fear and disparity, disparage and, and uh, what's it called? That kind of paranoia, anxious feeling when people talk about those the heights the of wisdom. Those are magic spells hanging on your senses. Those are magic spells hanging on your foreskins. Right. Truth on you. So you just chill out with your magic spells and your foreskins and just come over to the eagle zone and just allow that stuff getting right. to eat. And that's why you got to consider the cost before you go mm -hmm. to war. You're going to war against all magic arts, all magic spells, and all circumcisions inside your human being entity. Not outward fighting, inward fighting mostly, inward refinement. The inward success, the inward intelligence, the inward intelligence and refinement is your external success 100% of the time. Inward first, outward second. Inward is above, outward is below. If you are not from above by being inward, where God is, Christ seated in heavenly places, mm -hmm. the outward is always a disaster. Amen? Right. And we all know God's not a liar, <laughs> right? Everyone, we can all agree, no matter what we agree or disagree on, we can all at least agree that God's not a liar, right? Right, check. God's not a liar. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 10, 13, in the New Testament, it says, you know, God's not allowing you to be tempted beyond what you're able to bear. That means what you're able to handle. So God is actually never going to allow you to be tempted by more than what you can handle. <laughs> so that means, it's also written that God tests our hearts. He doesn't tempt us, but he'll test our hearts, expecting us to be approved. So he's never going to let you be tempted by sin beyond what you can handle. And when God tests your heart, he's already expecting you to be approved because he's not going to let you go through more than what you can handle. So who's telling you that you can't handle it? Is it God? Is it your cousin? Or is it maybe a demon? 
Probably a demon, right? What do we know about the devil? He always lies. He's a father of lies. So that means that's a lie. So now we've isolated the lie and the liar, which is in the New Testament, they call that the intruder of sin. He doesn't belong in that house. That's God's house. You're the temple of God. Like, this ain't your house. Get out of here. I don't know you. It's literally finding hell in you and not being mm -hmm. in denial. Right. It's discovering the hell of the human being. And that's the root awakening. Mm -hmm. That's the first conviction of a person when they're hearing the gospel mm -hmm. for the first time. Like, man, I need a savior. I've discovered mm -hmm. hell in me. The Holy Spirit reveals hell in you. It is written. Right, and that's how you can tell. Let's say somebody at home did something to you. Now you feel, let's say, irritation. And you feel like a slight, maybe just not, not too much because you're trying to be good. You're trying to be nice. You're trying. Testing my, I'm really trying, Lord. Oh, God, give me strength. You're throwing the Hail Mary. You're crossing yourself just in case. Sprinkle a little grace on it. Spraying the back of your neck. Doing nothing. Get the BB Luxury perfumes and assault them with it. Spray your brainstem. <laughs> Get behind me, Satan. Just, just, just spray him in the face. From the matrix. Do not spray alcohol. You made the oil like WD-40, the connect disconnecting from the matrix, that big cable right in the back you of your brainstem. You got the prayer stem. shawl. You're on the knees. Ah, it's a little sore. You're just like, ah, It'll go away, You've Neo. You get used to it, Buckwheat. Now, but you're still angry. Fresh out of the so, freaking matrix around here. You know. So let's say... I just so happens to be that maybe somebody in the family made you feel some anger, not too much, but just some <laughs> irritation. Just, oh, oh Lord, they tested me today. Oh, they tested me today, Lord. I just, oh God, just bless their heart. Just bless their high-ranking demons. Put I'm better those than that. Just self-righteousness. Just bless their heart. Oh, I'm gonna bless their heart. You're, you're offending Molech. You know. <laughs> it's just, but then you go, wait a minute, let's see, what's at play here? Oh yeah, human anger cannot produce righteousness. I'm detecting a little human anger here. So you know what, yeah. that's probably not the Holy Ghost <laughs> acting, it's probably not the impulse, probably not the heart of the Father, you know, it's I'm about to kill some, but probably not the heart of the Father. Just remember, that's probably not that's the That's why the father. Apostle said, in your anger, do not sin. Because it's going to come to the surface, yeah. and you learn how to destroy it in the lake of fire and not hurt those around you or right. hurt yourself. Amen? Right. Because when you're on the cosmic journey, that's when think th you can have a fun, safe cosmic journey of circumcision, being humble, and being you know subject to another that of reverence for Christ and having the time of your life. All you of hell is going to come yeah. out of you. <laughs> yeah, and you can have fun. Where it gets dangerous for people mm. is when you get into anger and irritation. That's when it can start to get actually dangerous. And so we want to make sure in your homes you have a covenant of peace. Mm, amen. Because that's when it gets actually dangerous is when people start going angry start going irritated, start reacting, start opening the mouth and speaking out of that, that's when you're actually it getting into actual danger because that's you're... A snake, yeah. a snake rider showed up on the magic art that you're channeling through your, your right. blood at that moment and so you're demon-possessed. Now you're endangering yourself and your family and you're channeling Satan. And so that's that's where you start to get things can now there's grace and there's time so repent quickly, but that's when you get into that danger world. 
that's when you're opening portals of hell and you can actually do physical invisible damage to each other's spirit man because you have a sword of the spirit as a believer especially you know once you start going up the sephirot and you grow in power christ remember he has all power but he never uses it in anger right that's because he's not a murderer of the brethren so you must always remember to never be a murderer on this journey no matter what your family does to irritate you even if they're being demon possessed you can be upset with a demon but you never go into the foreskin and channel your words because guess what it's not just words what is the sword it came out of the mouth of god your sword comes out of your mouth your thoughts and your intentions right the lightning crown and then when you're speaking or channeling out of your mouth you're using the sword that god gave you through your mouth if you start attacking and accusing the character of your family members, your friends, your brothers, your sis sisters in Christ, under the guise of goodness, or oh, just as me just trying to practice self-control, but you're murdering, you can actually do damage because the physical, invisible realm of the spirit, when you have a sword of the spirit, you can actually do a lot of harm to each other. That's why zero friendly fire. Make it your goal in your households in your communities, in your groups. Zero friendly fire. Is. It's sinning with your mouth. Mm -hmm. Gossip, slander, or just being Anything. angry with each other and speaking Anything human. Out. It's all sin. Because at the end of the day, no matter how frustrated you might feel, think about Jesus. When Jesus would show up with... Think about the last encounter you had with Christ that was really just mind-blowing. And how much more sin you might have had back then. God wasn't in human anger toward you. He's not like that. He's not tempted into human anger. He's not just trying to hold back his anger with you to try to be patient with you. That's not his character. So anything in you that has that character is Satan or one of the Satan's DNA. So if it's not perfect calm of Christ, perfect peace, Prince of Peace, Shalom, right? Shabbat Shalom. Shalom, Shalom. <laughs> Shalom, shalom. <laughs> Whatever you got to do. Oftentimes, the best thing to do is to not speak words. If you know you can't say, like, that's that old adage of, yeah. if you ain't got nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. There's, be silent before your shearers, which is your laundress. Because in those moments, you have mo you'll usually have a monitoring spirit. Because when sin is going on, there's kind of the arena that opens up where there's a recording that's happening. So if you can at least close the mouth and not say things out of anger toward each other or attack character or like, you know, whatever, what, it doesn't matter, whatever the temptation is. If you can at least close the mouth and refrain, even if you sin with your intentions of your heart and your mind, that's much easier to mitigate those things than it is if, when you actually open the mouth and cut someone. Right? That's why we're very careful what we say. That's why there, there's such a refinement to be able to speak to you from this place that we've gone through. God's not just going to give anybody a microphone to say things to his people. Mm -hmm. Because the higher you go up and the bigger the sword is, it's got to be precise. It might not feel good. They were sore for three days after circumcision. There's a good sore. We cut away what needs to cut away. Now heal. And there's a stop stabbing each other, 
like murderers, there's a difference. And unless you have eyes to see and ears to hear, which is circumcise your hearts, go up the sephirot so you can actually see, you're not going to have the precision and the understanding. What's understanding? Bina. What's understanding? Hakma. If it's a foreskin, it blocks the light. If it's a membrane, it's even worse. It's false light. So you think that you see, now you're guilty. That's why you must be careful with the membranes especially. Because foreskin, easy. You're like, that was darkness. Yeah. Membrane, you think that you see, therefore you are guilty. So when you're dealing with membranes of foreskins, especially for you guys in Malkut, those top two layers, it's all self-righteousness, self-opinionated, mm -hmm. appearance of angelic, appearance of, you know, false gods and things like that. It's all appearance of good you knowledge. You think that good. you see because it looks like light. But that is the very thing you have to destroy in order for the true light of Christ to come through, which is the city of peace. Mm -hmm. Shalom. Prince of peace. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. His nature, which is the crucified one. Having unlimited power, unlimited gavrat, but never using it in anger. Never using it in human anger. Because the sword of your mouth is going to cut. And the thoughts and the intention of your heart and your mind are going to be judged. So it's the better thing when we feel that pressure, when we feel the temptation to want to cut down somebody else or judge somebody else, mm. it's better to judge them favorably and just simply say, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they're doing, and forgive me, Father, because I probably don't know what I'm doing. Now you're admitting that there's an area that you can't see because of uncircumcision. Now your guilt will, will not remain with you. right? Jesus said, mm. because you say that you see, with the membranes, right? Mm -hmm. False light. Then your guilt remains. So it's the admission or the acknowledgement of the blindness of pride of the uncircumcision and the membrane. Right? The, the two steps of that process of deliverance, which is circumcision, we acknowledge that. And so our guilt does not remain because we acknowledge those are the places where I can't see. But Christ can see and his Holy Spirit, he promised his spirit would teach you all things. So there's hope for more salvation, for more circumcision. <laughs> and you find out that life, what is eternal life? To know him. Yeah. How do you know him? Have a relationship with him. What's a relationship? We've already established. It's a connection with Shekinah. True light. It's an electric connection. You plug in the light bulb, the light bulb comes on. It's connected. So when you're connected to him, the light comes on. And then you can cut away the false light and the foreskin. But the mark, the mark of the beast. Mm. You know, it's interesting. I was doing a little study in the Hebrew. The word for life, which is also a part of the word for chaya. We're talking about souls, right? That's the house of wisdom, right? You need to build up into the house of wisdom. You start with little wisdom, which is Malkut. And you go up to big wisdom, which is Hakma. The mark is the tov, 
But that word for life, chai or chaya, chaim, you know, if you want to be really classically Jewish sounding. It's the word for life, it's the word for chaya, so you find that chaya is life. You're going up and to the high places of wisdom. But until the reed is broken, the chayat means beast. That T, that tav at the end, means a mark. Literally a mark. The old mark for it, there's like a little. So it literally looks like it says in Kabbalistic terms, the mark of the beast. Well, what about the holy creatures or the living creatures around the throne? The holy chayot, the chayot. They're creatures, you could say beast. Yeah, they have hooves. But how does that mark change in you? Chayat. C-H-A-Y-A-T. Hayat. It's the beast. The beast of what? In most cases, that's going to be the uncircumcision mm-hmm. or the false light of the membrane of the foreskin around that sapphire stone where you take the test. So the difference between life, the mark of Christ, hitting the mark of Christ in the mark of the high calling in Christ is when you break, it's called the the breaking of the reed of Egypt. So if you take that tov and you break the reed off of the end of it, it changes, it changes meaning. And you'll find that that same occurrence is when chametz, which is the leaven, teaching is broken the word matzah is formed so it's about obedience it's not even always about the teaching but let us live up to what we've already attained and that little read what's interesting they say that that read of Egypt was when when Solomon had married an Egyptian princess that the Geverot descended into that mire and that reed was put in the mud and on top of that reed and that mud was built the city of Rome and that's the origin of spiritual Rome is that worldly or demonic influence of wisdom. So the the wisdom, the worldly wisdom of Egypt and Rome, so that worldly wisdom of Rome that did harm to Solomon, who had the most wisdom, right? So if there's a lot of wisdom, you need to get wisdom, but then you also need to protect wisdom. Get wisdom, Proverbs chapter 2. When you treasure it, then you'll get it. So you start to treasure whatever wisdom God has placed in your life. 
spoken words of wisdom, wisdom of Torah, wisdom of Holy Kabbalah, wisdom of ascension. When you value it, when you treasure it, that's when you acquire it. Proverbs chapter two, go through it again and again until you have wisdom. We have a video you can watch, put it on loop, get wisdom. You need wisdom, get wisdom. That's how you get wisdom. Read Proverbs. It says, anyone who reads this book, if you don't have wisdom, you'll get it. If you do have it, you'll get more of it. <laughs> so get wisdom. So it's not, it's a simple thing. It's literally just read a book of Proverbs with enthusiasm, right? With intention. Mm. The thoughts and intention of your heart is to get mm, wisdom. With enthusiasm. Yep. Now like, okay, you said it. Yep, you're going to get wisdom that way. But let's expose that Rome, <laughs> that spirit of Rome, right? Samael, Edom and mm. Rome, Prince of Esau, Samael. Yep. The... The fallen Gevrat, which is supposed to be, now it might be on your study charts different, but in some realms and dimensions, the Gevrat is, um, it's an aspect of Gabriel, the fear, the awe, and the, I am Gabriel, and I stand in the fear and the awe of God. Mm. Then you have Michael on the right, and has said, the love of God, right? Michael, he embodies the love of God. Gabriel embodies the awe and the fear of God, and he always has his scribe instruments and a sword. Yeah. So you need both. Rigid scribal righteousness. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. And he has great rewards. But when those Gevrat descended, because wisdom, harm was done to wisdom, when Solomon was with the Egyptian woman, which is the foreign woman, which externally it was a foreign woman in the natural, but in the invisible realm, it was a principality of the other side. Yep. And that read going into that muck, that dissension of Gevrat, which is a dissension of rubies, so the value decreases, right? The judgments are weakened. Wisdom is done harm to when there's worldly wisdom. So it's the pollution, the income of incoming of Egyptian religion and Roman religion. Because we're dealing with wisdom which is the right side which is the white serpent but when you're talking solomon and wisdom you're talking hakma in order to do damage to mm. wisdom they had to give false wisdom which is foreskin and membrane foreskin is egypt false wisdom egyptian wisdom mm. rome the principality of rome is counterfeit wisdom that's going to usually be samael and or Molech, depending on who has jurisdiction. But when it's talking Edom and Rome, that's Samael. You can see that read going down <coughs> when with Solomon and uh, Sheba of Egypt and planted right there in Rome, in Italy, and festering in slime for 250 years before the city of Rome was um, formed. So you could just see how the demonic slime swirled and spun in that place until it was just possessing souls and influencing souls until Rome sprung forth and became uh, the demonic entity we deal with throughout the ancient world and today. And it'll be cleansed of Samael, and it'll be a house possessed by those who possess all cities. It'll be cleaned out of mm -hmm. cities they didn't even build. It'll be a house of glory. The future of Rome will be a demon-free zone. Absolutely. You'll dwell in houses you did not build, it is written. You'll inhabit cities 
and possess cities that you didn't build. Rome will be one of the best. Paris, uh, Amsterdam, New York, L.A., Miami. That you'll possess thousands of hundreds and of thousand cities. All right. <laughs> Pharaoh's daughter. Yeah. So when Solomon married Pharaoh's daughter, that reed descended of the mark, right? The mark descended into the mud. That's when it becomes the mark of the beast and not the mark of Christ. But what is the mark of the high calling in Christ? We start to really walk into it at the, the apex of wisdom. When you hit the apex of wisdom, that's your first taste of being in unity with God, one with God, which is Yachita. That's when you start to get a taste for the mark of the high calling in Christ, which are the heights, right? So the last ditch um, efforts of the enemy are usually going to be to do damage to wisdom. And it says in the book of Enoch that the temptation to do harm to wisdom does not diminish. So until this whole thing is over, yeah. the temptation to do harm to wisdom will always be there. But if you understand that, all ten worlds. you can value wisdom, true wisdom, all the more and hate the wisdom of the foreskin of Egypt, of you know false wisdom. You can hate uh, all the more uh, the wisdom of Rome. Now, why is that important about Rome? Oh, yes. Did you know? Is anyone familiar? Does anyone here? Raise your hand if you came from a background of any kind of uh, glory stream Christianity. What about charismatic Christianity? Yeah. Uh, anyone just out in the boonies? They didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Yeah, okay. I got some of that. Uh, what about uh, Baptists? Any Baptists? Baptists online watching? Come out of the Baptist church. Non-denominational, denomination, pizza, coffee, donuts category. Yeah, no, that one, yeah, okay, we got some of those. All of those streams have one thing in common. And that commonality is the Roman Catholic Church. Did you know that? Yeah, actually, all the praying in tongues. I did, I did some, I've been doing some research this week. <laughs> I've been taking time off of work to work. It's great. So instead of work on work on work on work, and now it's like I can take time off to work, and now I can work for the Lord. So it's all good, and it's really fun. Super less warfare um, when you're in alignment with your season, right? So let's see. What do we have here? Do I have it on Rome? Babylonia, Persia, Greece, and Rome. But let's go back to Rome. If you trace it back, uh, Azusa Street. So let's say anyone who... Praise in tongues, right? Filled with the Holy Spirit, praise in tongues. We're not from the Rome. We have nothing to do with the Pope. What are you talking about? Even if you go all the way back to Azusa Street, William Seymour, where did he learn about, you know, the tongues and all that? Lucy Farrow, a black woman from Texas, is the one who brought that spark to William Seymour to start that revival that we now know. Your history, and why is that important? Because... Mother Jerusalem, when she um, when she was speaking to Rick Joyner in one of his experiences, his prophetic vision experiences or out of body experience, when you recognize and honor not just the patriarchs but the matriarchs of faith, that's when things are going to start happening. So, I'd like to honor Lucy Farrow, who is a mother, and even the Chat GPT 
bot. I was checking, you know, like, let's see if this is legit. And I would chat, even chat GPT knows about Lucy Farrow and all that. So I was just like, it's not, it's in the papers. It's in, uh, it's just not really taught in Jezebel's Christianity. Yeah, it was erased from the Church of God in Christ and the Assemblies of God history. So if you are in Kojic or came out of Kojic or the AG, you don't even understand the origins of your existence because right. it's not William Seymour. And I think that's so sketchy because, you know, Rick Joyner was talking to that um, that manifestation of Mother Jerusalem and then talking about how Jezebel is going to be overcome, which is basically the last thing you have to overcome to get off of Malkut, to get into, into Yassad of holiness and go cosmic, right? So they do things like that on purpose. What did she say? It takes honoring not just the you have to honor the patriarchs, honor the mothers and the fathers, Amen. and the and the children too, right? Honor your mother and father, mm -hmm. both. That is written. Right. So what they what the Clippeth does is on purpose things like that. They just bury it in the dust, so like nobody even knows that it was a black woman from Texas that brought that spark, and it didn't just you know she she had a a message and she had a calling. And she had, it's a destiny, you know, moment without her helping, uh, you know, to bring that to William Seymour. It, it was just a street would never even have happened. We wouldn't be sitting here praying in tongues. So thank you, Lucy Farrow. And then she had learned also from, uh, I think it was Charles F. Parham, uh, Charles Parham. And so you go back and you trace where did he... Where did he come from? You know, so if you go back, what kind of preacher was he? You know, where did where did that come from? Who learned? You know, they started believing for miracles and healing. They started believing in, you know, the gift of tongues, all that stuff. Where does all that come from? Where did all those series of revivals come from? You talk about the revivals on the different four different continents: Asia, Europe, North America, Latin America. And how it spread to Lutherans, Presbyterians, and it spread like, oh, then the Catholics had their awakening. So people think it's, you know, one way or another. Listen, if you go all the way back to William Seymour, Lucy Farrow, Charles F. Parham, and then his origins, their origins, all of those churches and those denominations, the Lutherans, the Lutherans, Presbyterians, Methodists, anyone that had any kind of awakening if you keep tracing it back like oh well that church and that church it goes back 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 well what did all those churches spring from i went through and i looked up okay who was the preacher that introduced tongues who started teaching it who started walking in it well, well how did they grow up what kind of preacher were they at the time what church was that well it was a thing with god well blah 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 no they they all grew up in churches, or they went to a church and then they believe, and that's where they were taught. And all of those churches were ones that split away from the Catholic Church. Am I telling you here, oh, we're all Catholic, we need to return to our Catholic roots? No, no, that is not, please, don't even go there. What I'm it's trying to say... Return to our Catholic uproots. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You're all Catholic, and you didn't even know Samuel's it. Because they got Samael's influence, and exactly. that's what's why everyone's so screwed up. It's Rome. All that stuff going back to the papacy. All of those churches, when they, when they separated, 
right? You know, what were the third, what was the list of issues they had with the, the Catholic Church? They posted it Samuel is known as the literally mm-hmm. the angel of death and the death mm-hmm. that's swallowed up in victory in Paul's epistle. That's an angel. That's Samuel. That's what we're dealing with today. Yep. And so I would trace this back to um, Dennis uh, Bennett praying in tongues. Dennis Bennett, uh, the rector of St. Mark's Episcopal Church in v- Van Nuys, California. Passion Sunday, April 3rd, 1960, he announced to his church that he'd spoken in tongues. <laughs> so, and it's interesting, he died in 1991, uh, but it was Bennett, who was the rector of St. Mark's Episcopal Church, that's in California. And some uh, account that as the true beginning of the modern charismatic movement. And then, you know, pandemonium broke out and people are speaking in tongues. So there's all kinds of stuff. So when you go back and you look at all the different, those people who had those instances happening, who did they learn it from? Where did they get it from? And then where did it originate? And what church was that? Where were they growing spiritually at the time? Okay, now that denomination, where did it come from? You trace it all the way back. It, they all go back to the Catholic Church, right? That original split from the Catholic Church. Well, they came from the Catholic Church. And so what I'm saying is the same principality of Samael, the prince of Rome, is still over what you know today as glory stream and modern charismatic and Methodist and Mennonite Mm -hmm. and Lutheran and AG, Pentecostal, in every form of religion that has sprung out from there and started a new thing. Or even like if we want to get personal for ourselves, a drunken... God inside mind and drunken glory, it came from the AG, it came from that. You can trace it all the way back to the Prince of Rome, Samael. Mm-hmm. All it of mo- modern day uprooted. All of modern day Christianity in all of its forms has a connection to the papacy, which is the begotten son of Satan. That's the the dark Yachita. That's a goat. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. The temptation so they get um in seventh world, like when you talk about presidents like, you know, Obama and stuff like that, they have a black chaya soul that they're allowed to go up the rungs and receive the counterfeit chaya. That's why whenever we go into, we talked about the neshama. Does anyone remember the warning about neshama? Raise your hand if you remember the warning. Earlier this year, we gave a big warning what not to do when you get a neshama. Huge warning. It's the number one thing. If you're planning on getting a neshama, do we have to get to the neshama? Mm, yeah. Get to the neshama. So if it's something you're planning on getting, you probably want to remember the number one huge drastic warning that you absolutely must, like, absolutely never do this, or it could be completely devastating and undo your progress and be, like, the worst thing you've ever experienced. Right, you probably want to know that one by heart. If you're planning on going up and getting in a shama. We've talked about the oral tradition of Moses. says, once you get the neshama, if you go angry, Oof. you can uproot your neshama and a demon god will sit there instead of your neshama. You can literally lose your neshama. Through what? Human anger. Mm. Don't go angry and lose your neshama. Wow. Anchor of peace. Yeah. 
You've got to stay in peace. Why is it worth losing? Once you get a neshama, you treasure that. Nothing's worth getting. That's what Jerusalem means. Heavenly city of peace. Mm. Just staying inside the Father's angelic protocol. Because if you get into the foreskin and you start (laughs) acting on it, guess what? Are you trying? You mean you went up all the way into the sixth world just to uproot your neshama and have a demon god sitting there instead? That sounds like some kind of level of hell I can't even imagine. It was horrif- It's The thought of it is terrifying. I didn't want that to happen to me, so I asked the Lord what to do about it. And he told me, put your hand on your spirit. And uh, so I basically made a consecration of my neshama. I'm trying to remember what exactly the prayer was. I'm sure we've mentioned it a few times on Joel's bar. But I asked for, the, for that grace. Something on along the lines of the grace... Let my, oh yeah, let my neshama be permanently sealed in you. Mm-hmm. May it never be uprooted. May I have a, like a covenant with Whoa. you of, of peace. They'll never go angry <laughs> and uproot my neshama. Let it never be possible. Let me be sealed in the sun of righteousness. Let's sealed in you. My neshama, it's so precious to me. It's the best thing. You know, it's your bar mm-hmm. mitzvah. And then it's just no amount of human anger is worth whatever short-term demonic rewards that human anger has. It's not worth losing in a shama. And then just what, you get some crappy demon god instead? That's like, so there's a temptation, you know. So you make that covenant. Make sure you, when you go there, mm. you talk to the Lord and you make covenant with him about your neshama. So you don't uproot and go angry on your, you know, uprooting neshama. Keep those, uh, those, eagle, those eagle rua souls mm. white. And then when I got into the chaya, after you get the neshama, you get the chaya in the next world, I noticed a temptation was to go turn, to let your light out of the chaya. Like, you know, you let it go dark, right? Black emotions. Mm. And I had a confirmation and another person saw on Facebook, they had like, it was a picture of like Sailor Moon if her crystal was a dark crystal and she looked evil and mm. it was like oh, no. so it was like a, a, it was a sign of wonder it was like oh lord let it never be I, I, never, I don't want to be a dark chaya crystal you do no. see the other side as you yeah. rise and you your it. wisdom grows yeah. of what the enemy is and what the enemy crystal. available thing is and then mm-hmm. what you are mm-hmm. in Jesus Christ you, you understand you. both of them yeah as you rise from the dead. So then you value, and then it reminded me, I was like, oh, I don't ever even saw anywhere in a oral tradition if the chaya could be uprooted or not, but just in case. <laughs> I was like, let me never uproot anything, you know? And this one, it was like, never let the, the crystal go mm-hmm. dark. Amen. You know, you gotta keep it sparkling and pretty. I've got some pictures. I think tomorrow we'll have it hooked up. We had some kind of a demon try to hit our whatever, you know, so we can have a nice picture for you today. But maybe tomorrow. And the angel will help us out so we can have a nice picture. Mm, but we got like a nice picture illustration of how to keep your chaya bright and sparkling. And even if you're like, well, so what do I care about that? I don't have a chaya yet. It's like five years away from me probably. No, you're probably going to be there by next year if you yeah. keep consistent. Don't think like that. Who thinks like that? Demons think like that. Stop thinking like that. Hey, remember? Was it God? No. Was it a holy angel? No. Was it me? If it was human but not God, it's demons, okay? You don't have your own separate entity of spiritual substance. Either it came from river of God or river of demons. Amen. Okay? So stop getting in that weird confusion like, what well, is just my... No. And no. Was that the impulse of the Holy Spirit or the impulse of the evil spirit? 
That's it. Everyone on earth is a cup of some kind of liquid from either hell or heaven, and there's nothing in between. Remember, remind yourself daily, nobody in heaven even thinks like that. <laughs> so I'm not going to think like that. I got you! That's a demon! Shut up! You know it's a fun prayer? I'll share this one with you. I command every spirit speaking in my blood right now to confess that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Mm. And Bam. then anyone who won't, just insert some kind of angelic commandment there. Oh no, I late. Yeah, if they won't say it, they won't type it. <laughs> It'll break my contract with the, the clippeth of hell if I speak that out loud. Great. <laughs> So, but I'll tell you, well, maybe we'll get to see pictures of it tomorrow, but essentially, you want to have your mind connected to Shekinah. Remember we talked about your connection to God is your relationship with God. <laughs> so, you keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Who? Jesus Christ. All we do is break magic spells. Mm -hmm. So, with your mind fixed on Christ within you, the hope of realizing the glory. When Okay, so look at the sapphire stone of Jesus Christ, that first one. Whatever one you're dealing with. Inside that kernel, that light, is Christ. And outside, around, that's surrounding in your fallen human nature, fallen DNA, you have the membrane and the foreskin. So you attack the foreskin and attack the membrane, no matter what the voices in the blood are feeling or saying. Take it to Torah. Take it to Torah. Slaughter it with the word of God, the sword of his mouth, not the sword of... Your mouth that defiles you on account of what's coming out of your mouth. It's what comes out of a man that defiles him. Mm -hmm. Right? We, 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 we we've already established that Teresa of Avila praying while she's going to the bathroom is not an unclean thing. What did she say to the devil? You guys saw the meme on Facebook? Mm -hmm. What comes out of my mouth is for God. And what did she say to the devil? And what comes out the other end is for you. All right? So go ahead and you know pray when you're going to the bathroom. Pray when you're in the shower. Pray when you're smelling the flowers. St. Teresa... Toilet Ministries Worldwide International. That's what I'm talking about. Yep. What was I going to... Oh, yeah. Sparkling Chaya Ministries. Now we got our bathrooms cleaned up. Mm -hmm. Now that we're getting the bathrooms all cleaned sparkling up. Sparkling Chaya. Sparkling bathroom and sparkling mm -hmm. Chaya. Why does, this, uh, why does this matter for you if you don't have a Chaya? You know, I don't even have a shampoo. I can feel bad. Sparkling Rua. <laughs> yep, your sparkling Rua. Even your inner man, the little gingerbread, even if Sparkling you're... Sparkling Nefesh. Yeah, you, exactly. Even if you're just a little <laughs> gingerbread man of light down in Malkut, guess what? You can become aware of that kernel and inside. You know Malkut's a sapphire stone. It's within you. All Nefesh shall sparkle. You gotta see past the membrane. See past the foreskin. And that kernel of light on the inside, that's the true light, that's Christ. That's the kingdom of heaven within you. So when the light of your ruah, or your, you know, your inner man, you start to see the light of Christ on the inside, that core, the very center of him, that very core of his being. And the innermost part of you connects when you get that revelation with him and it makes your conscience start to sparkle and be cleaned by beholding the Lord and you see his light and you allow the word to attack that uncircumcision and that membrane and you stay focused on the kernel of it the innermost part about light 
and that's where you set your heart, your mind. That's where he keeps in perfect peace. Not just barely holding on to peace and, you know, it's falling to pieces. But he keeps in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. You're not focused on what the enemy is doing, but you're not ignorant either, right? It's pride and false humility to ignore when God gives you signs and wonders to let you know what enemy you're dealing with. It's very prideful to be like, well, I don't need that. I just have me and God and the angels. Come on, Buckwheat, you're a soldier. Receive instructions. Receive the holy Kabbalah. Be cabaled by the holy angels. When God gives you an instruction, hey, so we're not, as it's written, unaware of enemy devices. If God says, hey, this is the enemy device, this is the enemy principality, it's extreme religious pride to be like, oh, I just, I can't look at it. I'm only looking at Christ. I'm only looking at Christ. Set your mind on him and get into peace, (laughs) first of all. Now receive instruction because if it's been revealed to you what it is, or let's say you're in a squadron on, you know, you're in one of our squadrons and you deal with whatever you're dealing with, and that intel comes in, this is what we're dealing with. Oh no, I just can't, I just have some, you know. Peace. If it's being revealed to you, it's because there's something that you must do. And how are you going to know what to do, what to say, or how to pray? Hearing the voice of God. How do you hear the voice of God? If you're connected to the Shekinah, when you plug in the lamp, the light bulb comes on. So you connect your mind is stayed on him. You're connected to that light of the perfect sapphire stone. Beyond all that foreskin and membrane, that perfect light of Christ, you attack your own thoughts, feelings, and emotions, which are intruders of sin masquerading as your thoughts, feelings, and emotions. Nobody in heaven thinks like that, so your true inner self isn't thinking like that either. That's a demon. The pretender. The shadow people. Hello? The shadow person that pretends to be you, the ego. That's a demon. That's Adam Belial, not Adam Cadmon. There's a shadow person, a shadow version that looks like you. That's not you. That's the intruder of sin. That's the body of Satan. Amen. You have to kill that shadow person. That's the person that's in your family that hates you. That's the person that's in you that hates yourself. It's not actually you. It's the intruder of sin. But if you cling to them, you'll go away with them when they're sent in the lake of fire. If your identity is wrapped up in that shadow person, it's going to be very difficult It's doable, but it's difficult. Watch Pigs in the Parlor. Read the Word of God. Get here Mm -hmm. 30 minutes to an hour a day of Torah. Kill the shadow person. That's your job. Amen. All going up the Sephirot is, is killing that shadow person. What's that person made up? You know, the body of Christ is of sapphire stones. The body of Adam Belial, the father of lies. The body of Satan, which every one of you are a part of, to the measure that you're uncircumcised. It's literally just make up, made up of foreskin and false light of the membrane. That's it. And the stolen blood of the saints. Because, for, remember, it's actually, uh, circumcision is a three-step process. Foreskin, membrane, and bloodletting. Why is it a two-step process for us? Jesus Christ already poured his blood out. That's the Shekinah, the 
transfigured blood of Jesus is the bloodletting. When you do those first two steps, and then he meets you halfway, he gives you his blood. Yeah, you don't have to cut your foreskin or your you don't have to harm yourself in some way physically. The clippeth harvest the blood of the Christians. Mm -hmm. That's the blood through the damned and dead. Mm -hmm. That's why when you get around vampire Christians, when they start attacking you with their mouth and putting you down to elevate themselves, mm -hmm. thinking that they're right, they're actually cutting your Shekinah light body and they're sucking, they're, they're sucking you of your Shekinah blood, which is the blood of your inner man. Remember, if your inner man gets cut up, eventually it can get into your soul and then it'll manifest usually in physical harm to your body in the natural dimension. That's why when you're in spiritual battles, if you've been hurt, soak in the Bible spa, learn how to heal yourself, learn how to get healing, learn how to receive healing from the holy angels. Because you'll have to, time is a safety thing. You have time, right? If you just sit around with wounds, hmm. you're probably gonna get physically hurt. Hurt in your spirit, then hurt in your soul, it bleeds into your soul, and then eventually it hits your body in some way because you'll be manifesting the clippeth because of your wounds if you don't get healed up. So you gotta get healing. So that's how you can prevent, you know, harm. If you have pain in your physical body, it corresponds to the pain in the invisible body. And scripture says he sent forth his word and healed them. He delivered them mm -hmm. from their sins. So it's the word that heals you mm -hmm. and delivers you from the dust of the serpents. That's why when you get into self-righteousness and judging and speaking witchcraft prayers and you're cursing people and you think you're being righteous or you think like when you go into human anger, there is a righteous anger, but if you don't even have any foreskins to show for it, I just wouldn't even touch anger at all because you're likely almost 100% mm -hmm. of the time just going to be in human anger. When you speak from human anger, a sword comes out of your mouth of your spirit and you start stabbing and murdering each other. That means you're a murderer. Remember Christ? Well, I'm not a murderer. I didn't stab. Christ said if you lust in your heart, you already had sex with them. If you hate your brother in your heart, you already murdered them. He actually increased the severity of the judgment, which was displayed when he turned the water into wine. He increased the severity of Yetzira. It was the six jars, right? Mm, amen. So that's a, you know, a Jewish rabbinical, you know, they talk about water versus wine he increased the severity mm -hmm. so but at the same time he the law increased of Moses water the mm -hmm. law of Christ wine yeah he heightened and increased the severity of the covenant it's not he didn't do away with the wisdom of Moses now it's just like you know in Moses time they could they'd still be lusting with their eyes but they're like not physically it's a physical restraint we didn't murder them physically that's what the Torah is at least don't be, you know, murdering and raping people, which is what we see is happening overseas right now, right? The laws for the wicked, for the murderers, for the rapists, for the thieves, all those things. But what does the New Testament say? That those who are led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the impulse, lightning will of the Father's crown, of the Holy Spirit, are not subject to the law. The law of what? The law of sin and death. Why? Because you're already obeying the law of perfect love, the original Ten utterances, the Ten Commandments of Genesis 1. Those are the original commandments, not the ones that were broken. Or the new set, after you broke the original set. Why didn't they get the good set of commandments? Good. 
it. Mm, because they were fornicating in the sand, and now they're in idolatry and lust and immorality and murder. So here's the law, Ten Commandments, which are going to work great for sand people ministries. <laughs> and that's what we've had for how many thousand years? Sand people ministries. Mm. And now we've had the law, the letter of the law of the New Testament. People in the sand and the orgies and the lust and, you know, the Christian lust just <laughs> skyrockets above normal people lust. It's just ridiculous. It's more bondage. What's the point? The original cosmic commandments. This is going back to that, you know, Aslan in uh, Narnia when the witch, she starts talking about the law and the talim. He was like, you know, don't cite the deep magic to me, which I was there when it was created, right? The stone tablets were broken wow. by his blood. The original utterances of Genesis 1, which is Those are the ones they drank, and the second ones were contained in the ark. So the first ones went onto the inside of them, and the second ones were their external rulership. Hallelujah. So there's hope for you yet, Buckwheat. But what's the point? What's all this stuff about Rome? I feel like there's a little bit of Rome there. The Egyptian read of that wisdom, that mark of the beast of the Chayat. The Chayat, how do you say it? That's what Rome is built on. You have Egypt, you have Rome. That we taught, we already established through going through all of church history. Spiritually, in the invisible land, you can see its shadows in the natural. Even if you're the most fringe, glory, stream, believer, healing, signs, wonders, miracles, there's still the mark of the beast in it. Of Rome. Yep. Of the papacy, of the... the Yachita of Satan's begotten son, the Pope. Who after we did whatever spiritual damage that we did to the enemy in New York City, then they had the Pope come over, they had to have a black Yachita come, they were trying to undo, you know, to... Mm, the white Yachita, yeah. yep. And then you had all those charismatic people trying to work up some kind of external thing in New York after that, so it was like black and white witchcraft all over the place. Mm -hmm. But God still reigns. It's not working like it used to for them anymore because it's drying up. Yeah, we still reign. Yep. Amen. God reigns in New York City. Amen. Amen. And in Brooklyn. Take Manhattan. these temples up and rule over all the earth, it is written. So if you want to get rid of the mark of the beast, the mark of false wisdom, which is, remember, Egypt, the foreskin of false wisdom, the black, that blackness, more obvious, more wicked, the more subtle membrane that tries to do. Remember, the temptation Enoch said would be to do harm to wisdom of that papacy of the spirit of Rome, which is Samael, is the membrane of that false light. It looks, remember we looked at the pictures before, it looks nice, looks perfect, looks like my perfect, even my perfect sephirotic journey, my God-inside-minded drunken glory, my charismatic, my healings, my nice people in the Lutheran church, whatever it is, you know, our non-denominational, whatever. It all has that reed of Egypt that and Rome that's built upon that. So by the removal of that foreskin and that membrane, you're breaking the reed of Egypt and you're uprooting Rome as an entire cosmic city and principality out 
of your body, mm. along with that shadow man of Adam Belial. That's the intruder of sin. Hello. That's the body of the false sapphire stones that pretends to be light, that steals light, that's drunk on the blood of the saints. Right? So what's going to happen? We're going to get matzah. You break it. Break the false teaching off. Everything that you think you know, you think that you've learned, it's in the brain of its use for the self-nature, use for the shadow person, the intruder of sin. Break it. Throw it out. Eat matzah, obedience. Because that beast life, instead of the chaya, the chayat, you want to be living, we want to be living creatures and not the mark of the beast. When you overcome that reed of Egypt and Rome that's built upon it by circumcising hakma, wisdom, right? That's what removes the mark of the beast, and you do this in every world, and replaces it with the mark of the Yachita, the Lamb of God, <laughs> the white rose, the perfect man who was perfect below and above the body of Christ, that body of Adam Cadmon. Christ was from above, he said. He said, I am above, you are from below. He had a perfect body. He had a perfect Adam Cadmon above and a perfect body below. And he sacrificed all of it. His cosmic crucifixion was in the world of absolute for the forgiveness of your sins above and below. All appearance of good and evil, knowledge of good and evil, the blood of Jesus paid the price. And that anointing of Mary upon his head instead of on the head of that shadow man, of the intruder of sin that pretends to be perfect, that pretends to be the body of Christ, that pretends to be you and your identity and all those things. Refrain from anointing that man of lawlessness, that spirit of lawlessness, any further, and reserve your oil for Christ alone, him and him crucified to death, even in the cosmic realm, before the beginning of time and in the flesh when Jesus Christ came in the flesh and died on the cross, a physical cross <laughs> in the world of Messiah for the whole world to see you know, ages and generations to see Christ and him crucified in you and me and that's all we should know about each other is him and him crucified, his nature Amen? <laughs> Yep. Amen. Christ and Him crucified. Thank you for a people that will allow everything else to be crucified with Christ. Let even the children have a desire to be crucified with Christ and allow the glory of his resurrection to pour out of their hearts. Let everything that is conscious on earth desire Jesus Christ's glory and all the ways of his glory in his kingdom become our ways as we change 
rapidly from human being into ever-living beings through the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you guys. Thank you for your support of this ministry during this month of October as we're packing up all of RLM and moving across the entire United States to Florida to broadcast in Florida for six, uh, six months, beginning November 1st. We've never done anything like this before. It's huge, and we're very excited, and we're thankful for all of our partners, supporters, tithers, and those who love Jesus Christ, making it possible to grow and expand into new regions of America and to bring the kingdom of heaven down and established in all the United States of America for such a time as this. It's important to the Father, and you be blessed as you understand the importance in your hearts and minds for God the Father's plans over America, throughout America, and the world during these times. In Jesus' name. If you want to support this ministry, there's links in the description. Be blessed as you give. We'll see you tomorrow. Amen. Amen.
lift up your voices. Sing in the Spirit. Sing in the
Yarababa. 